Okay, so now we're here. Welcome, I'm Lily. And if you are expecting to talk about satisfaction, you're in the right place. So some of you are here because you read that title, Satisfied, and you're thinking, you know, I would really like to be a little bit more. Maybe you related to the idea of wilderness and you want to talk about how Jesus sustains us in hard seasons. Or maybe you find yourself in a season where you feel far or distant from God, or you're walking with a friend through some of these things, um, and you just need a reminder of how Jesus fits in. The truth of the matter is, we all will or are going through or can go through seasons of wilderness. I want to define that and talk about that a little bit more. So seasons of wilderness, times when we feel confused about what God is doing, we could feel far from him. Some part of our circumstance in our physical reality does not quite line up with what you see God promising. This weekend, we're learning about how Jesus equips us to endure. He doesn't just want us to survive holding our breath until it's over. He wants to lead us into a promised land, a land of blessing, a land of right relationship with him, a good land. Over the next hour, I really want to lean into this, this idea of how Jesus equips us to endure for a future promise when we find ourselves in wilderness longing to be satisfied. I hope, my prayer, (laughs) is that our time in the word will encourage us to see how Jesus is that promised blessing. We're going to be pretty heavily in Deuteronomy 8. So exciting. Yes, Deuteronomy can be exciting, and it's an exciting book. (laughs) And we're going to spend our time looking at how Jesus equips us to endure through these seasons of wilderness. So for those of you who like an agenda, a roadmap, where are we headed? Here it is. We'll be looking at God's people, the Israelites, and evaluating their journey. We'll see them coming out of a wilderness, receiving a command from the Lord, which points to a future hope. So you will find these points on your outline, page 35. The wilderness, his command, and our hope. As we go on this journey together, I think it's important we keep in mind that there is a reason we're investigating scripture and the Bible this weekend. And that reason is to get to know God better. (laughs) So as we travel through these points, there's another thing I want you to keep in mind. Maybe this is something you wanna write at the top of your outline. We're gonna track character traits of God. And the things we're gonna track is how God is purposeful, how he's a provider, and how he's ever present with us. So God is purposeful, he's a provider, and he's ever present with us. A few details. We're in a workshop setting and there's gonna be lots of participation. I'm gonna have you gather in small groups multiple times throughout this hour. Um, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand when it's time to share with the group. Janae's gonna run a mic. The mic will not amplify your voice at all. It is just for the recording at home. So please speak directly into it. Um, Okay, so now that we've said that, we're gonna do some small group sharing time. There is space for your reflections on that page of your outline, 35, and I even have the questions written there at the top. I want you to take a moment and think about a time you were in the wilderness, a time you longed for something. Maybe it was getting into a particular college. Maybe it was a boyfriend or longing for equality. Maybe it was relief from an illness or pain and suffering. Um, Maybe it was a time of grief that you really longed to be over. Maybe life has been a series of disappointments, one after another, and it's nothing what you hoped for. 
I want you to consider the questions that I have written there. How did you feel or think about yourself? What did you feel or think about God? And what did you think or feel about the world? So we'll take a couple minutes just to personally reflect, and then I'll ask you to just share in small groups. Okay, friends, thank you for taking time in your small groups. Don't worry, we'll have more small group time in a little bit. I know for me, the thing that I long for is a stronger body. I have a number of physical limitations. I have a back injury and a bunch of food that my body is reactive to. And eating is a rhythmic part of my day, and it's really hard. There are times that I ignore my limitations and eat things that literally make me physically ill. There are times I try a really intense workout that leaves me immobile for days. Um, and I just really long for a reality where I'm not limited at all. Um, I can feel weak in those moments. I can put myself down. I can turn to things um, like food that don't actually give me anything. I can assign myself lesser value and worth because I can't do certain things that other people can do or I can't celebrate the way other people celebrate. I can get frustrated with God. He doesn't heal me. I want my new body right now. Um, and yeah, I can ignore his boundaries on my life. I can be anxious about what the world promises. Um, and what the world promises just doesn't hold up. Like, have a cheat day. It'll be fine. But when I have a cheat day, a cheat day, I eat things that make me ill. Or try this exercise. You'll get quick results. It doesn't work. I find myself in this wilderness longing for wholeness. So this thing that I just shared and you all just talked about in your small groups, that's where the Israelites were, the ones that received the, the um, commands that we're looking at today, the passage we're going to be looking at. They'd been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. Okay, think about this. Think about a desert, hot sun, sand. Anyone not like sand? I don't like sand. Um, being in a tent exposed to the sun and elements, they were uncertain at times if they would have food. They definitely felt hunger and thirst and uncertainty. Um, they were told by God that there was a promised land coming. Um, and this promised land was not just a place they'd have all they needed. It was also a place where they'd be in right relationship with God and dwelling with God. Super cool. And this right relationship with God would lead to a very abundant life, a life where they would thrive and flourish. The audience in the passage that we will look at would be longing for this promised land. They'd be longing for their endless wandering to be over. And it's moments, it's moments before they enter this promised land, the end of their wandering, that we find this passage. And I hope that the principles and the instructions that we can pull from this passage will apply to our own seasons of wilderness wandering. All right, with no further ado, turn to page 34 in your packets. We're going to start with just the first 10 verses. All right, the whole command I command to you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you'd keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna that you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live from bread alone, but man lives from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord." Your clothing did not wear out, nor did your feet swell these 40 years. 
Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out into the valleys and the hills, a land of barley and of wheat, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. All right, how are we doing? Passage of Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's good stuff, right? So first, we see that there is a whole command that the people must follow, as well as remembering the whole way the Lord led them, so that they can live and multiply, that's in verse 1, and go into the land the Lord swore was theirs. Okay, this seems pretty good. If the people just follow God and remember him, they're going to get these really awesome things. Because right relationship with God equals abundant life, right? But this abundant living is set against a backdrop here, and it's all of these unpleasant things they're experiencing. We've got hunger, testing, humility, and then this section concludes with a description of the good land that God is bringing them to. One, where they, in verse 10, shall eat and be full and bless the Lord their God. Okay, in order to unpack these truths, let's look at this journey I keep mentioning. Any of you go on the hike this afternoon? Okay, that's fine. That hike is rigorous. Has anyone ever been on a hike at any point in their life? Okay, good, here we go. (laughs) Isn't it a total experience? It's like really hard and then you get to the view and the view is really worth it because of that journey, right? Mm -hmm. So we're gonna look at the journey of the Israelites to get this awesome view. And their journey was not up a beautiful mountain. It was through the wilderness, a place where they experienced longing for a good land, a longing to be satisfied. Okay, what happens in the wilderness now, though? What was their experience? This is where we're going to talk in small groups again. I want you to look at the passage and answer the question, what did God do to or for the people in the wilderness? If that question kind of boggles your mind, here's another way to say the same thing. What happened to the people in the wilderness? So go ahead and discuss in those small groups. All right, friends, kind of call us back together. I just realized I did forget to pray over our time, so I'm just going to pause right now, and we're going to pray, because that's important, right? (laughs) All right, Lord, I just want to thank you for the women in this room. Would you um, use your word to just penetrate our hearts and transform our minds as we ponder this idea of wilderness and your command and the hope that you provide for us? Um, Lord, would uh, my words not be my own, and would I be in tune to what you would have me say? In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, I want to hear what you all talked about in your small groups. So I think we'll just call it out and I'll repeat after what you you said so they can hear on the recording. So what happened to the people in the wilderness? Great. So he protects them and the clothing didn't wear out. And what were some of the other ones? He gives them water. Water. He's going to bring them into the land. Into a promised land. Great. I saw a hand over here. Yes. Led them, humbled them, tested them. Great. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
So tested them in a way to succeed. Their sandals didn't wear out. He didn't give them more than they could handle. Great. Any other thoughts? Yes. He disciplined them. He disciplined them. Yeah. You guys got pretty much everything. on. Yes. He is bringing them into the land. So there is a promise of that. It hasn't quite happened yet, but they're almost there. But yes, there is the promise of that. Awesome. A lot happened, huh? So I love that you guys caught this, all this. So the first thing I want to point out is that God led them in a whole way. That's kind of what you were talking about, is that he, he was there the whole time. He was present. Notice that was one of the P words I gave you at the beginning. God is present. It's in verse 2. The Israelites are called to remember the whole way God led them. He was with them the whole time. This also means that everything that happened to them was purposeful. God had a purpose with them because he led them through these things and he was there. So his leading was purposeful. There was a reason why they experienced or received all the things we just mentioned. He's also a God who provides. He keeps his people from death by providing in various ways, both the physical and the spiritual. He's there the whole time leading in a whole way. He's present, purposeful, and provisional. Okay, let's unpack these things. They're really important. Mentioned more than once, you probably noticed, were hunger and testing. They're pretty interrelated, but I am going to try and differentiate a little bit. Let's tackle hunger first. Oh, man. Hunger is a doozy for me. I do not like being hungry. It is the worst. When I get short with my husband and I'm a quick response, the first thing he does is bring me food because he knows, yes, he knows that when I'm hungry, it's disastrous. Guys, I'm not, you're laughing, you know, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> and we see here that God purposefully kept food from his people. Why? Okay, there is a purpose. And that purpose was so they would be humbled. Do you see that in verse 3? He humbled you and let them hunger. God used something physical, hunger, to reveal something spiritual. He does that with us too, doesn't he? When I'm hungry and short with my husband, doesn't that reveal that there's some sin in my heart? Maybe it's selfishness or anger, or maybe it's just my want for control and I didn't stop to make myself some food. Are you similar? Consider in your life if there are some physical things that God is using to reveal something spiritual. So again, I want you to consider if there are physical things in your life that God is using to reveal something spiritual. We can also see how God provides, and this is in verse 3 as well. He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. Pretty straightforward. He let them hunger so he could feed them. And guys, this was not normal bread. <laughs> manna is bread from heaven. It's literally a supernatural provision. And we see the same caring in some of the other things you mentioned, the sandals not swelling and the, the clothing not wearing out. Um, so yeah, hunger. To kind of recap, God is purposeful to use something physical to reveal something spiritual and then provides food to sustain them. Next up, testing. Woohoo! Who here loves test days? Midterms. Yeah! Finals! Let's go! Okay, some of you might be thinking, you know, I kind of like test day. But I'm not talking about that feeling of relief you have that, yes, this class is over. That was why I like test day. No, I'm talking about sitting in front of a really hard exam thinking, I don't even know if I have studied enough notes or if my notes even covered this information. 
Hmm. The Israelites' notes come from their hunger. Their hunger was their prereq. Yeah, fun. So, verse 2, he humbled them using hunger to test them what was in their heart. This wasn't comfortable experience for them. He tested them to know what was in their heart and whether they would keep his commandments or not. That's the purpose of the testing, for God to see if they would keep his commandments or not. And I, I don't want to forget a few things here, okay? Testing from a good source, like God, who is the embodiment of good, desires the success of the one being tested. We did talk about that. You guys discovered that in your small group time. He didn't give them more than they could bear. And he, and he was present with them the whole time. Isn't that cool? So he tested them, but he wasn't absent. He was there. He was present. Now, what did God provide in the testing? When they were hungry, he provided manna. When they were tested, one of you caught it, he provided discipline. Oh, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So keep the commands. What is this about? God sees the Israelites as a son. His discipline is for those he loves. I want to clarify something quick here. Not all hardship and wilderness experiences are God's discipline. And that's not the point the text is making either. Rather, the point is that if you are experiencing discipline from God, um, it's because he's a loving father. And he desires for his people to have that abundant life in the promised land, in the land he's bringing them to. Okay, so we just looked at some of the specifics of the wilderness and how God does use the wilderness purposefully to humble them, see what was in their heart, whether they'd keep his commandments or not. In this experience of longing, in their experience of wilderness, um, the Israelites were confronted with their need. They needed God. Without God, they wouldn't have food, literally needing bread from heaven, clothing that lasted. I mean, their sandals didn't wear out for 40 years of walking in the desert. That's insane. And they had the physical endurance to make it through that wilderness. The Israelites had need and God provided for their need. So the purpose of the wilderness was to reveal the Israelites' need for God. I think in our own seasons of wilderness, that idea holds true. We need to remember that we need God and that God provides for our needs. So again, the purpose of the wilderness was to reveal the Israelites' need for God. And we need to remember in our own wildernesses that we need God and God provides for our needs. Now it's time to dive deeper into the idea of command. Second point on your outline. It does seem to be a really important part of this passage. Um, So we have the Israelites coming out of the wilderness and receiving this command. Okay, command. What is the command of the Lord? To put it very broadly, very overarching definition, the command of the Lord is the communicated ways of the Lord. It's in verse 3. The command is every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We also have specific instruction in this text to obey or be careful to do the command. So it's not just important to understand what the command of the Lord is, but it's also important to obey the command. Is anyone like me where um, you find it hard to do something unless you know the result of not doing it? Give you an example. Um, So I find it really hard to do the dishes. But if I don't do the dishes, my kitchen starts to smell really bad, starts to stink. So it's motivating to me 
to do the dishes if I think about the toxic fumes that pour out of the dirty dishes that have been left to mold and rot and yuck. Okay, so the second half of the passage that we're gonna look at, it describes the type of toxic fumes that will develop if the command is not obeyed. So that's where we're going. All right, page 34, let's finish our text. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when you... Your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of a flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end? Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of, the God, of God. Hmm. As you can see, this has a lot of warning. Take care lest you forget the command. Beware, don't forget. The wilderness is also described in a different tone here. We've got fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground. God's provision is highlighted and the good land is mentioned, but it does come with a major warning. Beware, because once you're in the good land with all the good things, you will be tempted to forget your need for God. Tempted to forget his presence in your life. Tempted to forget the provision of the wilderness. And you'll be tempted to say, verse 18, it is by my power and my might that I've gotten these things. Forgetting God is the provider and it was all God that got you there. And verse 19 says, if you forget, you shall perish. You shall die because you did not obey. Man, those stakes are high. Now that we've talked through some of that, it's time to talk together in your small groups. So in your small groups, I'd like you to look through the passage and discuss the following questions. What is the purpose of the command? How many times is the idea of remembering and forgetting mentioned? How do you think it connects to the idea of the command? Again, those questions are all printed, so you don't need to write them down. Um, The first two questions should be, Like observation, you're pulling them straight from what the text said. It's the third question I really want you to dive in in your time as a small group. So I would actually really like to hear what you all discussed in your groups. Um, Janae, I will have you run the mic for this. Um, So yeah, we're going to have a mic. So what did you all discuss? What's the purpose of the command? How does it connect to the idea of remembering and forgetting? So we talked a lot about 
uh, verse 12 and 13 and 14 specifically, where it talks about multiplying your wealth um, and then tying that into the heart piece. And then also towards the bottom, it talks about quoting like a person of the Israelites um, saying my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth instead of saying that God did it. So it's kind of tying it back into don't forget that God did everything. So kind of putting yourself on the throne instead of putting God. So it's really a command to help them remember who they're glorifying. So really the intention is to remember to glorify God for everything they have and all of the provisions he provided and not giving themselves the credit for it. I think part of it is because it's serving as like a warning to them. It's serving as a reminder of all the things that God has done leading up to this point so that they are not quick to turn around and think that they got there on their own. Mm -hmm. You guys are hitting the nail on the head. This is great. Thanks, Janae. So, oh man, this is so good. So the command's purpose, which you both mentioned, is to show the people they wait, the way they should go so they can truly be in the promised land. It's to remember. You, you, men, you guys both mentioned remembering and a reminder. Perfect. Verse 11 is key. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commands. So not keeping the Lord's commands leads to forgetting God. Forgetting God leads to following temptation, and temptation ultimately leads to death. So, the main purpose of the command, y'all are right, is remembering. Mm-hmm. We need to remember God. Do you guys see how consistent God is? Remembering, um, yeah, do you remember what the purpose of the wilderness was? It was to remember that we need God. And now we see God's response to our condition, his response to our need, and it's his command, which helps us to remember God. It's beautiful. So we have the wilderness showing us our need for God and the command that helps us remember God, God himself. If I were to paraphrase this idea, um, the whole passage with this idea in, in mind, it would sound a little something like this. Remember the whole way God led you. Don't forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commands lest you forget him. He's the giver of all good things. So remember the Lord your God because he gives you powers. And if you forget, you die. So remember, remember me, remember my provision, remember your wilderness and its purpose. And remember you're tempted to wander from my presence. Hmm. God says, remember me and my provision. Remember your wilderness and its purpose. And remember you are tempted to wander from my presence. You're tempted to say in verse 17, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. This is the temptation. Instead of blessing God for the good land he's given, we forget and we say, we did this. Where the testing of the wilderness leads us to remember the temptation of their hearts is to forget. And I think we're the same. I think the testing in our wildernesses can call us to remember God, but the temptations of our heart is to forget. Where testing led them to life and called them to remember, their hearts are prone to be lifted up and to forget. This is why he's giving the command. God wants them to remember the good way. He wants them to live. He wants us to live. And the thing God provides in the command is life. 
if the Israelites follow it perfectly and never forget God, they will live and multiply. If when they live and multiply, they continue to perfectly obey God, they will not perish. Does anyone see a glaring problem here? Can, will, do the Israelites follow the command of the Lord to a T? Do they always remember? No, (laughs) they cannot and they do not. Not even a single generation passes away before they forget God. That's in Judges 2. This seems like a downer, right? (laughs) They get all these good things, but in the end, they fail to remember God. Even when they have all they ever wanted in the promised land, they forget the Lord their God and go after other things. And ultimately, they are led into exile, into a land that is not theirs, where their property, their names, their possessions, their families are stripped away. But there is hope in this text. Don't worry, I won't leave you here. Hope. I can't have a workshop at women's conference and not talk about hope. I can't say, let's talk about how Jesus equips us to endure and then tell you about all this testing and hardship that God's people endure in the wilderness wandering, knowing that they fail and just leave you hanging here without talking about hope. Okay, in this passage, let's find the hope. There's a provision that's mentioned that is then tied to God's covenantal promise. It's in two places. It's in verse three and it's in verse 16. Find one of those, verse three or verse 16. It says, and he fed you with manna that you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live from bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. But how? I don't understand. Doesn't bread fill your belly? How does it make me remember that it's not bread that fills you up? All right, a little context is helpful here. In case you didn't know, um, manna was sent every day to the Israelites while they were in the wilderness. There was one day before the Sabbath where it was sent for two days, but they couldn't collect more than that one day or those two days. So they could only collect enough bread for one day. And if they collected more than what was commanded, it would go bad. They couldn't store up any provisions for themselves because the bread faded in a day. And they couldn't hope in the bread because it would, um, it would mold. Hope had to be in the giver of the bread. So they had to depend on the Lord's promise that daily food would come. They had to rely on God's word. They had to rely that it was trustworthy. Every day, the only way they got food is if it came from heaven where the wilderness shows us our need for God and the command reminds us of God himself, the manna shows us that God and his command are trustworthy. We can hope in him because he's trustworthy. Manna was also a point of remembrance for God's people. Um, You can see it in this passage. Remember the manna God fed you with? Um, That's also throughout the Old Testament and other passages. And the hope here is that he faithfully provides Manna was also a sign for a future hopes. So not only was it something they looked back to, but it was something um, that, they, that was a future sign. It was something they didn't know and they didn't understand so that they might know that man doesn't live alone or live from bread alone, <laughs> but from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. They don't live from bread alone, but on the word of God. 
And do we know what happens in the New Testament? John tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came down from heaven as the word of God in the flesh. And he came to follow the command perfectly so that he could be the perfect sacrifice, taking all the bad things we do and the sad things they cause on himself on the cross. And guys, when he rose again, he made it so that we could have right relationship with God and have life that's abundant. Take a look in your outlines. There's a passage printed on the bottom of it from John 6. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave them bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the true bread from heaven who comes down to give life to the world, to sustain us in this wilderness. He's the one who sustains us and fills us up, gives us life and satisfies us. Now, you might be asking, where do we see this in Deuteronomy 8? Let me show you. Jesus, Israel went into the wilderness, but so did Jesus. Jesus went into the wilderness for us. He left his heavenly place where nothing bad happens and came to earth and submitted himself to this wilderness. Where the passage says, if you obey, you live, Jesus obeyed perfectly and he chose death so that when we disobey, we can have life. Jesus, who is the son, he was not disciplined as a son. Rather, he was punished as an enemy so that we can be heirs. We can be daughters and sons. This is so good, guys. Where his heart was never lifted up, ever. He always submitted his will to the Father in perfect remembrance. He took on the ultimate wilderness on the cross, y'all. He was forsaken by God the Father, choosing to take our sin and our shame and our death and our forgetfulness on his body on that tree so that we could live for righteousness and have the favor of God to enter into a promised land, that land where nothing bad happens and nothing sad happens and we can worship and dwell with God forever. It's a big deal. Friends, we all find ourselves in degrees of wilderness. Come to Jesus. In him, you will always be full. The bread I gave you today, it filled your belly for this hour. We're about to have dinner in about 15 minutes. You're going to be hungry again. But if you partake in Christ, hmm, you will never be hungry again. You will have life and life to the fullest and life for a good land. At this point, there's probably two people in the room. One, you're enthralled by Jesus. You are encouraged. You are excited. But there's probably a number of you thinking, Lil, that's real cute. (laughs) But I came here to this workshop to figure out how Jesus equips me in the wilderness. So what? What do I do with this information? Oftentimes, we can sit through good teaching and good Bible study, but not actually apply the passage. That's what we're going to do with our remaining time. I have a few practical applications. They are on page 36 of your packet. I have labeled them Wilderness 1 and Wilderness 2. 
We'll have about six minutes for each one to talk through. So the first one is a case study on myself. So I'll just share with you my story, and then I want you all to personally reflect. We're going to do this all as just personal reflection. So I found this passage in Deuteronomy about a year ago. I was struggling with those food restrictions I mentioned and feeling like I kept eating the things that made me sick. My sister-in-law asked me a question. She asked if I truly believed that the spirit in me was stronger than the power of the flesh, my desires. Basically, did I believe that man does not live from bread alone, but man lives from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord? And as I read this passage, I noticed that like the Israelites, I often fear that the Lord's not going to provide for me. Will the manna come? Is his command worth following? Will it actually lead to life? So I asked myself the questions that I've printed there. So I'd like you to take time now to consider my story um, and then apply the ideas to your own using all that we learned today. So go ahead and, and do that. All right, I see a number of you are still writing. That's great. Definitely take some time to keep filling this out or to do some personal reflection when you return back to campus. We're gonna move on to the second case study. So the second case study is on the same page and it's Jesus. So Jesus was led by Satan into the wilderness to be tested. And guess what passage he quotes? Deuteronomy 8. So we're going to check out the passage. It's printed um, the top of page 36 under Wilderness 2. And just go ahead and work through the questions. So I know that was not nearly enough time to actually really meditate and get through these questions and to do personal reflections. So I just invite you, you can take these packets home. They're yours. You can look at these questions at any point. Um, I also had intended for all of you to talk in small groups about these things. So dinner's not till 5.30. You could totally chill out in here and talk in a small group. Um, I just want to thank you all so much for participating with me. I feel like I've learned a lot. Um, even like through preparing this talk, I've seen how God is purposeful, how he's the provider and he's present with me. And I see that he uses all sorts of seasons of wilderness to really refine us and draw us into him. And he sometimes uses physical hardship to reveal spiritual realities in my heart. Obedience to his commands gives us abundant life and his commands remind us of his trustworthiness. We can take God at his word and through it all, he gives us hope in Jesus. So in the New Testament, we can find a few stories about people who came to learn from Jesus. They listened in some cases for days without food. And it says that Jesus seeing the crowds was moved by compassion and unwilling to send them away hungry, he blessed the food and fed them. They ate and were satisfied. Later he says, I am the bread of heaven, the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. But this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Friends, please hear this. Jesus is unwilling to send you away dissatisfied. He wants to satisfy your heart. He gave his whole self so that you and I could have life. If you have any questions about this, anything at all, don't leave this weekend without talking to somebody. Ask a staff, ask the person who drove you here. Talk about it in your dorms, in your cars, on the ride home, at the next meal. It's too important not to talk about. Your life is too important not to ask questions. Um, so you're officially dismissed. Dinner is in 15 minutes.